0: All right, well, we are ready to get going with a, another podcast episode uh, with accessibility professionals. And today I'm pleased to be talking with Lucy Greco. Hello, Lucy, how are you today? Good, thanks, how about you? Well, it's a, it's a pouring down rain in the Seattle area where I'm at with my home office. Uh, where are you talking to us from?
1: I'm talking to you from sunny, beautiful, sunny California. At, we're sitting here at 21 degrees Celsius today.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, uh, you definitely have a little bit of weather, better weather than I do right now, but uh, it's great to have you, uh, to chat with you about your experiences with accessibility. But why don't we just start with uh, you talking about what you're involved with right now, your your position and the type of work that you do.
1: Sounds great. So I am the Accessibility Evangelist for UC Berkeley. Uh, What that means, it's actually an Electronic Accessibility Evangelist. What that means is I help people on campus try and find ways to make any of our digital assets as accessible as possible. Everything from websites, applications, uh, we look at the photocopiers, we'll look at all kinds of devices that people might need to interact with. And I help make recommendations to make those things more accessible for people with disabilities.
0: Well, I definitely want to check in and get more details about some of the things that uh, you're working on uh, at the university. But one of the main objectives of this uh, series is to uh, find out how people ended up in the professional area of accessibility where they are today, so uh, maybe you could uh, you know, take me back and, and let me know about your own experiences, uh, kind of uh, step through things uh, to, to where you are today.
1: So it's a really natural fit for me in accessibility. I am a extreme technology nerd. I love technology, I love tech in general. I'm an early adopter of early tech, uh, of new toys and new tools, And I, um, I'm totally blind myself. So that early adopterness, you know, ends up paying off, maybe only 5% of the time. So the rest of the time, I'm having to work to try and find accommodations, workarounds and accessibility fixes. But technology has really been a huge asset to me in general. So when I was in junior high, I didn't have any technology. And I was having to do my papers by writing them up in Braille, then sitting down at a typewriter with a sighted person behind me to see how it was going, and that sighted person would tell me if I made a mistake and read off what I was typing just to make sure I was typing the right thing. And we had a rule that if I made three mistakes that were fixed with liquid paper, we'd have to tear it up and start the sheet over again. So needless to say, my papers were terribly short when I was in junior high, and it took a lot longer to write them than everyone else. So everybody else might get three papers between September and uh, December. I got maybe one done, and it was always you know, the most dreadful thing. I hated having to write something up for someone more than anything else. And then they gave me a computer, and it was an old Apple IIe, and at that time, it was even old. And oh my God, it just liberated me completely. I went from, you know, taking three to four months to write something because I had to wait for the person to show up to help me proofread it, to being able to do it in the same amount of time as everybody else. So, you know, where it would take me two, three months to do a five, ten-page paper, I could now do a five, 10 ten-page paper in a month like everyone else. So it was really exciting, you know. I, I I became addicted to that whole idea of having a computer. It was something that helped me do things independently and let me get around on my own through things that I always had to depend on someone else for. So you know, I was the first person I knew who had a cell phone. I was the first person I knew who started buying robots to do different types of activities in my house. I am a complete technology hoarder
0: and the technology nerd well I uh, you know it's interesting to hear your, your story about that and in this certainly technology is is uh, made a lot of advances in accessibility uh, p- possible over over the past 20 years or so but you know as, as you were getting involved in it, you you mentioned that you're you were a nerd as you said and so you had an affinity for that type of thing uh, uh, I, I I imagine that you know that that maybe put you a little bit ahead early on uh, before tools were widely accessible, where you were able to figure things out, and you, you know maybe that just wasn't as uh, as possible for others that didn't have the same technical know-how.
1: Exactly. So you know when I was in college, I would help all the other disabled students figure out how to use a computer so they could get the same advantages. And then I naturally fell into doing consulting work where I was hired to train people on computers for several years. And then naturally I got hired by the university to help disabled students uh, learn how to use computers. I did skills assessments for them and helped them find the right technology for them as people with disabilities. And a lot of my work was helping them figure out how to use the tools that weren't accessible on campus so a natural progression was changing to being the person who systemically changed those tools, so students didn't have to have accommodations and remediations.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So going from, you know, each student having to be taught how to accommodate themselves to having a tool that was accessible from the start was a huge change. And you know, that's where I've been for the past, uh, well, nine years now.
0: Well, uh, let's go back to where you, you mentioned uh, in college you were the person helping others to uh, to be able to uh, uh, use their computers and things like that. Was that where you first started to think about uh, accessibility as being a career beyond uh, just you using those tools for your own uh, per- purposes?
1: I-, I think it was more you know i was doing it from friend to friend so it wasn't i wasn't thinking of it as a career but when i got offered my first contract which was maybe a year or two before i graduated to actually teach someone that's when i realized hey somebody's going to pay me to teach somebody how to use a computer and it was a really fun contract and i had a lot of you know i really enjoyed doing it, it was um a woman who had an acquired brain injury and i was teaching her how to use microsoft word it was it was you know it was a natural fit.
0: Mm-hmm. and And so then you mentioned you were uh, doing some consulting work. So uh, um, you know what was the nature of that? Were you doing projects uh, uh, to uh, help organizations upgrade their software? or what was involved with that? I was
1: mostly working on new product reviews for accessibility. So I would be called in by you know a company. Who was trying to create a new call center software for, you know, that the, they, they would be selling? So I had to review the call center software and make sure it worked with a screen reader. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I would review web pages to make sure that they were accessible. Um, just different things like that, that kind of consulting. But mostly the kind of work I was doing before I started at the university was teaching. You know, working with a person with one disability or another, and getting them up and running with the computer, and teaching them the skills they needed to get, you know, be independent.
0: Well, you 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 mentioned some of the things that you you do at the university now, and and you mentioned uh, that most of the focus is on the uh, electronic uh, side of things. Uh, that's still a that's still a big area to be able to support at, at universities. So uh you know what are some of the areas that you have to be responsible for uh at at the university
1: Uh, everything from hr applications to student uh, learning systems to library databases and resources Um, you know one of my favorite projects that i've worked on in the past couple of years was getting um, scanners in the library to replace the photocopiers and making sure that those scanners could be used by people with disabilities. Everything from making sure that a person with a wheelchair could actually reach the controls on the device and that a blind person had a screen reader on the device automatically so that they could use it to scan documents so that they could read them.
0: Well, I've uh, taught at the University of Washington on a a part-time and uh, full-time basis at times uh, for a long time. And so I'm familiar with how they do uh, support accessibility there, and uh, I, I know that there, there are a lot of issues with uh, funding for adequate equipment, and also just the procurement process for a, a bureaucracy can be kind of uh, stifling. How, how have you been able to find your way through those minefields? It's brutal.
1: I mean, let, let let's not hold back any punches here. It's absolutely brutal. To be in an academic situation for a public university that has no funding, you know, I'm, it's an uphill battle convincing people that the work needs to be done and the time needs to be spent and and you know most of all the money needs to be spent. So, you know, I am the only person doing what I do in the entire University of California system. There's a couple of other people who don't have anywhere near the same skill set that are doing it slight you know at different campuses, but they're not doing it full time and you know none of them have a disability and frankly it needs to have somebody with a disability to understand how people with disabilities work with things and understand the pain and help people find the right uh, the right sweet point for using technology
0: well it, yeah it definitely sounds like uh, there's a lot of obstacles in in the way there uh, are, are there some places where um you, you feel you've been able to make some progress or some wins or things that you're encouraged about uh, moving forward?
1: I, I love seeing people become excited about accessibility and, and kind of blossoming. I mean, my title is evangelist because number one, the priority thing for me to do is to have other people become passionate about accessibility and think about it in their work. So taking somebody who's working on a website and bringing them to the point where, you know, they're the ones initiating the accessibility and thinking about it. You know, I've been working with somebody who works on our phone system. And, you know, the guy keeps coming to me over and over again, going, you know, does this look accessible to you? Does this look accessible to you? And, And he's working on all kinds of different things that I would never have even dreamed of, like making sure, That the call center phones, a person can actually read the caller ID on it and and things like that. And it's just, it's beautiful. I mean, that to me, getting somebody inspired to be accessible is the really promising thing. The funding, the budget, all that stuff definitely gets
0: me down. Are there uh, any things you're working on right now or coming up in the future that you're particularly uh, excited about or looking forward to uh, working on?
1: I'm doing some data mining right now of our automated testing tool software. So I am working on looking at ways to discover what the things people are doing wrong the most are, and then coming up with trainings on how to fix that. So we're actually going through and looking at our automated accessibility testing tool, and we're creating an application that kind of goes through the 4,000 websites that are enrolled in that tool and to see what is it that everyone's doing wrong so that I can start creating a training regimen for people that covers those things that everyone's getting wrong. And I don't know, that's kind of boring, but it really is exciting to know that, you know, I'm gonna have a huge impact just by using a little bit of data.
0: Yeah, no, it's really great hearing about that. Uh, but one of the uh, questions I, I I pose or kind of a comment that I've done in other uh, episodes of this series is, is just mentioned that I've been working with accessibility uh for about 22 23 years now and uh you know when I when I look back on uh, you know when I first started doing that um I, if I was back at that time uh 20 some years ago I would have thought we would have come farther than we have at this point on the other hand there's been an amazing amount of things that have uh changed over the past years uh you know from your perspective you know what does it feel like does it feel like we've moved along at a, at a reasonable pace or, or are we ahead or behind or you kind of where do you feel about that
1: i think we still have a lot of education to do I, I think we're getting closer to actually being at a point where we can say we've made some progress but the problem is is you know. People will create things because we are a very artistic creative. you know, we think, we we build, we invent. but if we don't teach those people who have those tendencies to be the builders and the inventors and the creators about disability, and it's not about accessibility. we have to teach them. It's about disability, we have to teach them. We are going to continue to stay behind the, you know, behind that eight ball. I mean, I can look at my cell phone and find at least one unlabeled button in every single app I'm using. It's, you know, we're still got a long, long way to go. Yes, we're able to do a lot more today than we were, you know, 22 years ago and 35 years ago when I started working in this industry, most definitely. But in other ways, you know, we're still really blocking people with disabilities. I mean, let's look at, you know, the whole pandemic that we've had to just come through. There are still very few databases of COVID, you know, information and visualizations that are inaccessible to people. You know, I, I don't know from day to day what the numbers are in the United States because all the pages that give me that information have completely neglected to do that accessibly. There are ways to do it excessively, but the people who are creating them didn't think about disability and they just wanted to, you know, get this information up as quickly as possible. And now they're, you know, the information is out there and it's too late. I mean, we can't go back and fix it. We could, but there's no initiative or willpower to do that.
0: One of the things, uh, you know, that I I find uh, it's kind of difficult for me is, as, as, you know, I I. Try to evangelize it with some of the, the the clients uh you know that are uh interested in designing new projects aren't, aren't always ready to invest in accessibility and and when it happens often it's at the uh it's about compliance uh compliance issues uh and i i i think it's it's not you know well understood that there potentially is a is a huge return on investment by you know making our products uh available to everyone so that exactly. you know they can participate in that in that market
1: exactly I, i'm recording a review of a product today that actually did a really good job of accessibility except the one thing that they missed was the store so in the store where you can actually Buy different components for the tool and upgrade your device. They neglected to put the names of the items in there. It's just a list of numbers, and I can't figure out, you know, what costs nineteen dollars versus what costs two hundred and fifty dollars. And then, you know, that's that's a huge, huge, you know, opportunity that they've missed. You know, I mean. World statistics say 21 million people, other statistics say 50 million people. You know, there is a, a, a bold fact that we use in the industry that one in five people will have a temporary or permanent disability in the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's huge. I mean, that's 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 a massive number of people that if you don't make things accessible, they can't use your product and you won't get their money. I mean, let's look at the baby boomers that are aging. The more they age, the less they're able to contribute to the economy because we're blocking them from contributing by not making things accessible.
0: Well, uh, Lucy, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, you know, share your insights and, and your your frank assessments of where things are and and. Uh, You know, hopefully we can move forward, but I I appreciate you taking the time to uh, be with me on this uh, conversation today.
1: Not a problem. I really enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: Hi, I'm Joe Walensky, and as host of the Digital Accessibility Program, I like to keep the focus on our amazing guests. But I'm always excited about my role as Accessibility Director at Blink, the producer of this program, and I'd like to share that with you. Blink is the world's leader in evidence-driven design, and we work with a wide variety of clients. Founded in Seattle, we also have offices in Boston, New York, Austin, San Diego, and San Francisco. Our stated mission is to make technology human, Embracing inclusive design and accessibility brings all of us closer to that mission. We bring accessibility in every one of our projects. Our philosophy is that each of our practitioners should understand how accessibility applies to their own work. Accessibility is not a separate department or activity for us. Our researchers, designers, and developers all employ accessibility principles at every stage. If you have a need for research and design services, Blink is a partner with a full-time commitment to making your product or service accessible and a great experience for all of your customers. Some of the specific areas where we can help, using research to better understand the needs of your customers with disabilities, innovating to make sure your accessibility is the best in class design. We can move existing designs to development in a sprint, and maybe most importantly, we provide a turnkey transformation to an accessible site or app. Of course, compliance status is something that we always include as part of the service. If any of this is of interest, please get in touch with me directly at joe at blinkux.com. That's J-O-E at B-L-I-N-K-U-X dot com. Thank you. And please take a moment to rate our programming, whatever app you use.